Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. We're continuing our study in Ephesians, and we are in chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. But after we read this text, we're going to go back and glance at the opening part of chapter 5 as well. Ephesians 5, 21 through 6, 9. This is God's Word. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and Be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is Both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. 
What we have just read is a part of Paul's description of what it looks like to live a spirit-filled life, a life of love. If you look back at the beginning of the chapter, Paul says, God says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then he gives this list of descriptors regarding how we are to live. We looked at that last time as we were in Ephesians 5, the first verses, 1 through 20. He said in that section, you were once darkness, now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. And so at the end of that section, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And the best translation of that is be being filled with the Spirit. It's not just a one-time experience. It is an ongoing way of life. We're to be being filled with the Spirit. And then verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The reason we're to be submitting is because of our reverence for Christ, because we are filled with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, because we are living a life of love. That's why we submit. We don't submit because we're afraid we're going to get clobbered. We submit out of reverence for the Lord. And so then Paul illustrates with three principal relationships because our relationships, if we're living a life in the Spirit, if we're living a life of love, our relationships are to be ordered as an act of worship. The reason we do things the way we do is not just because, well, that's the way we've always done it. Paul says, don't live the way that you used to live. Don't do what the pagans around you are doing. Instead, you are to live a life of love. You are to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. You are to be submitting out of reverence for Christ. Not because I'm afraid I'll lose my job, not because I'm afraid I'll be beaten, but because we reverence Christ and we want to be like him. And so our submission in these relationships is a way of worshiping the Lord. It is a witness to those around us to the gospel of God's grace. Our submission is out of reverence for him. Now, he gives three prime examples And the first is the wife. And the second is the children in the home. And the third, grab your something around you, slaves. Paul actually tells slaves they're supposed to submit. 
tells children they're supposed to obey, tells wives they are to be submissive to their husbands. Submit to your husband? You've got to be kidding. Pastor Wood, you know, I mean, anybody can look at the white hair on your face and see that you are just very old. And that is very old-fashioned. That is not current. Well, let me just tell you, it's God's Word, not mine. I didn't write this book, I just preach it. And so, when wives are told to submit, that wasn't a shocking thing in Roman culture. The women in Ephesus didn't say, Submit to my husband? You've got to be kidding me. No, that was already expected in this situation. What's different is that God says, you're supposed to do this out of reverence for Christ. Not you're supposed to do this because this is what women do. I mean, it's, you know, women are not very bright and they need a man to guide them. And so, no. I know a lot of wives who are clearly more intelligent than the fellow they married. And yet I have to remind them, you married him. Okay? But, but the fact is, the wife is, is to submit not because she's not smart enough to make a decision. Read Proverbs 31. That lady was able to go out and with the profits from this enterprise, consider a field and buy it. Okay? Oh, I, I, I couldn't do that. I, you know. Well, gentlemen, if you're going to be godly, encourage your wife to be everything God calls her to be. Okay? You're not supposed to stifle her. You're supposed to bless and encourage and protect. You're supposed to provide for her. But that doesn't mean that she basically needs to just stand there at the kitchen sink saying, any other dishes? Okay. Martin Luther, who got a lot of things right and a lot of things wrong, one of the things he got right back in the 1500s was telling Christian husbands, you need to change dirty diapers. Really? Yeah, because it needs to be done. And you're supposed to be Christ-like and that means that you share in the responsibilities in the home. Now, was he suggesting an egalitarian view where there is no headship? It's just, you know, a democracy where she gets one vote, I get one vote, and we're at a stalemate most of the time. No, that's not what he was saying. But what he was saying is that the fact that God's given you a position of leadership, which is what this passage says, does not mean that you treat the other person as if they don't have a brain. You're to love your wife, husbands, the way that Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. This is a sacrificial love that you're to display. Now, wives are told to submit, children are told to obey, slaves are told to submit, but there's a corollary for each. Husbands are told how they are to treat their wives. Fathers are told how they're to treat their children. Masters are told how they are to treat their slaves. And if this is done right, it will be an astounding witness 
to those around us that you're not like everybody else. Okay? So the reason we do what we do is out of reverence for him, and the result is a witness to those around us to the gospel. Paul, in fact, goes so far as to say, that's why God designed marriage. Paul says God invented marriage. God is the one who designed it, and he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. That's the purpose of it. And so how we do marriage, how we relate to one another in marriage, is either a good witness or a bad witness. But it is a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And it's a picture God designed. And therefore, we are to do what he commands. When you look back on your life, who comes to mind as someone who helped you when you struggled? You have the opportunity to be that person for a child in crisis. A growing number of people are committing to leave a gift in their will to organizations who care for children who are searching for healing and hope. Where's Valley Ranch is that place and the healing and hope are found in Christ. After your family is cared for, would you please consider including a gift in your will to Where's Valley Ranch? When you do, you will become a member of Legacy 145, declaring Yahweh to the next generation. Learn more about Legacy 145 by going to wvr.org and click on the link. Again, the link for Legacy 145 can be found on our website at wvr.org. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is So, the wife is to submit to her husband. Children are to obey their parents. Children are to obey their parents. Now given the work that we do here at the ranch, I want to clarify something that's important for all these relationships. No one has the authority to command you to do what God forbids or to forbid you doing what God commands. That is very, 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 very important. When Pharaoh said, all the male children are to be killed, the midwives didn't say yes and carry it out. They let the babies live, and God rewarded them for it. When Daniel was told, you can't pray for the next 30 days to anybody but the king, Daniel didn't say, well, I'm going to start praying to God. It says Daniel kept on doing what he'd been doing all along praying to God three times a day. 
He didn't have to change some years back. A federal judge stupidly ruled that it was unconstitutional to have a copy of the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. A friend of mine started going to churches where pastors were very upset that the courthouse had removed the Ten Commandments. And he asked a couple of questions. Do you have a copy of the Ten Commandments on display anywhere in your church? Uh, um, well, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm not sure we do. Could you please list the Ten Commandments for me? Tell me what the Ten Commandments are. Evangelical, Bible-believing pastors couldn't come up with all ten of the Ten Commandments. He said, you don't have to do it in order, just give me the Ten Commandments. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. By the way, you ought to try that when you get home. If you forget one or two, those are probably the ones you're not being very diligent about obeying. Just so you know. Here's the thing. You and I are supposed to do these things not because the culture says we shouldn't. We're not trying to be countercultural. We're seeking to be obedient to God. We don't start doing this because it's unpopular. We do this because even though it goes against our fleshly nature, it's what God calls us to. It's the way we display His glory. So, if your husband commands you to do something that's immoral, you don't say, well, the Bible says I'm supposed to submit. No, you say, I'm sorry, I want to obey you, but I have to obey my Lord first. If your parent enlists you in dishonest behavior or immoral behavior, you don't say, well, you know, the Bible says children obey your parents. I guess I got to do it. No. Well, there may be consequences. Yes. Obedience is often costly. But for most of us, the primary cost is simply having to die to self. Most of us, most of the time, are not in a situation where doing this is going to result in a physical beating. Instead, most of us are simply going to have to die to self in order to show reverence for Christ. You see, Jesus is the perfect model of this. So this business of being subordinate, it's really hard. I think God says, you know, there's no slave or free, there's no male or female, there's no barbarian or Scythian. Why can't we all just be the same? Well, we are the same in many ways, but we also have roles to fulfill. Jesus, according to Philippians 2, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped but emptied himself and was obedient even to the point of death on a cross. When Jesus is asked 
How do you do the things you do? Where do you get the authority? He says, I only do what the Father tells me to do. He said, I only say what the Father tells me to say. As Jesus knelt in Gethsemane, he prayed, Father, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is who both husband and wife are supposed to be like. And so, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see that this is not a temporary thing. We're just during Jesus' earthly life, he was submissive to the Father. Now, listen in 1 Corinthians 15. This is God's word. Verse 24 and following. Then the end will come when he, that is Jesus, hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. We worship the one true God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son has always, always been submissive to the Father. And he always, always will be. The Holy Spirit is not a lesser being. He is fully God, just as the Son is fully God. But the Spirit is sent to do the will of the Father by glorifying Jesus. So if you're finding yourself, as all of us do sooner or later, in a position where we have to submit to others, and you feel like, well, when is it my day to shine? When is it gym day? No. You're, you're thinking backwards if that's the way you're thinking. So, pretty good to be the, uh, pretty good to be the husband, isn't it? <laughs> Because I got to be in charge. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if you picked up on that. I, the preacher didn't make it as explicitly clear as I would have liked. But my reading of this, the husband's in charge. Yeah, your job is simple. Just be like Jesus. Lay your life down for her. Love her. Care for her. Nurture her. Provide for her. You do that and you're great. Like Jesus? Yeah, like Jesus. It'll cost you your life. It'll cost you your life. It's not about, you're going to do what I want. It's about, join me in doing what God says. 
we're going to focus on His will. It's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be being filled with the Holy Spirit in order for this to happen. But as we are being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what it'll look like. This is what it will look like. We will be making music in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks in all kinds of circumstances. We will be loving one another, submitting to those who are in authority over us, and serving the needs of those who are under our authority because of love. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.